what I thought. Okay, 80s something, right? Okay. Those of you who were not alive in the 80s, how many of you like the music of the 80s? There you go. All right. Amen. Oh, like the 80s. In the 1980s, there was a song by Cyndi Lauper called True Colors. I lived in San Francisco. Let me tell you, this is not a song that we like very much. This is not a song that any of us like very much because we know what the song's about. However, I like the picture. I love this picture. Brother Bach, you are a creative man. God has gifted you. I mean, I like that. That's all psychedelic hippie stuff. I remember those days. Anyways, your true colors is how we want to finish out today the book of Hebrews. Because Hebrews is wrapping up. He has talked about Christ being superior to the Old Testament. Christ as the ultimate high priest. Christ as the ultimate sacrifice. We went through that on Palm Sunday. We went through it on Easter. We stayed in the book of Hebrews all the way through the biggest celebration in Christendom, the resurrection of Jesus. Because it's, it's true. It's there. Today I want to finish up and talk about your true colors. This book right here, uniquely designed. This book for young adults is what we should all be thinking about. Who am I in Christ? Who, am I, who was I built to be? Who was I designed to be? Hebrews 13 is going to tell us that today. Hebrews 13, verses 1 through 6 is where we start. Live your faith. This is the commandment that comes at the end of the book of Hebrews. He has told them all these things. He has told them about their sacrifice. He has told them about their suffering. And now he says, live your faith. Your faith is not what is in your head. Your faith is in what you do every day. How you spend your money. How you spend your time. How you invest in relationships. That's what it says. Look at this. Hebrews 13, starting in verse 1. Let brotherly love continue. Don't neglect to show hospitality, for by doing this, some have welcomed angels as guests without knowing it. Remember the prisoners as though you were in prison with them, and the mistreated as though you yourselves were suffering bodily. Marriage must be respected by all. Can I get an amen from somebody? Amen. That's, why, that's why Lenny's signs keep getting stolen. They want to change what marriage is. They want to change what God created. This says marriage must be respected by all and the marriage bed kept undefiled because God will judge immoral people and adulterers. Your life should be free from the love of money. Notice, he does not say you have to be broke, but your life must be free from the love, the obsession of money. And he says this, be satisfied with what you have. Look at the person next to you and say, I'm satisfied with you. Just say that. I'm satisfied with you. I'm satisfied with you too. Okay? Now, I noticed this. Everybody turned away from their spouse when they said that. I want to know, why didn't you say that to your spouse? Aren't you satisfied? Aren't you happy with the person God? That's Brother Ken's testimony. He's not just satisfied. He is happy. He married up in the world. Amen? There we go. All right. So it says, be satisfied with what you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. Therefore, we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can men do to me? Amen? Amen. Read this. He has come through a huge discussion of the persecution of the church. Now, I follow the voice of the martyrs. Voice of the Martyrs is an international organization that looks at the persecution of the church of Jesus Christ. And it shows you pictures and it tells you stories of those who are being cut, 
burned, sliced, raped, murdered because of their faith in Jesus Christ. It's happening all over the world. The church is being persecuted. And for right now, we're kind of safe in America. But what's happening to Lenny's signs tells you a lot. This is a free country, right? You're free to say what you believe, right? Wrong. You are free to say what you want so long as they approve of your message. Now, I noticed as soon as Lenny put up the signs around here saying yes to the marriage amendment, I saw a dozen signs that said, say no to the marriage amendment. It, it, paint, it paints marriage as something that is just an open contract for anybody, anytime, anywhere. That's not how God designed it. Look at this. Let brotherly love continue. I told you there's four Greek words for love. This is the word phileo. Phileo is the comradeship, the brothership that men feel, that churches feel for each other. You feel a special connection to a brother, someone who has been through suffering with you. Soldiers know that when you go to battle with somebody and you come back, you can go to battle strangers. You come back blood brothers. You come back tight because you've been through something horrible. These people have been through persecution. It bound them together. Many of you are bound together because you made a bold move. You left your home, you left your country, you left your culture, you left your language, and you came to a place you did not know. You are a church of Abrahams. Amen? Amen. You came from a place that you knew well, where you fit in, you understood the rules, and you stepped out. And it wasn't easy, was it? It was hard, wasn't it? It was difficult adapting to the culture, adapting to the language. It's a far cry from Peru to Raleigh, North Carolina, amen? It's a far cry. It's a big change to go from there to here, from Indonesia to here. That's a bigger change. That's a whole other side of the world. And the Philippines to here, not too bad, but bad enough, amen? amen. Don't neglect to show hospitality. Now, this church is good at being hospitable, right? We'll welcome anybody in the door that wants to come in. In fact, we'll welcome people to our homes that we really don't know that well, but that we want to get to know. We spend time getting to know each other. That's what I've been trying to do by taking the men out for breakfast or lunch or wherever I can get them out, to build that relationship. He says, when you show hospitality, some have welcomed angels as guests without knowing it. This is not a figure of speech, church. This is not a figure of speech. There are those who are among us who are not what they appear to be. Think of Abraham and Sarah. Sarah's in the, in the tent. Abraham's outside. He sees three men coming. Were those just three pilgrims traveling? There was two angels, and there was the angel of the Lord. In fact, if you look at the Bible, it says capital L-O-R-D. That is the name Yahweh. Yahweh was present in those angelic beings. Those are the beings who would go down to Sodom and Gomorrah and destroy everything and everyone except for Lot and his family, whom they warned and they escorted out of the city. Now you see, Abraham had no way of knowing at a distance who these people were, but he showed them the hospitality that was required in the Near East. As a result, he was blessed and he got to ask for mercy for Sodom and Gomorrah. Because he asked for mercy, the angels went down. They found Lot. If the angels had just brought the destruction of the Lord upon Sodom and Gomorrah, Lot would have been destroyed. But Abraham begged and pleaded and he bargained and he, and he, he just sort of got them to do any act of mercy he could get. So they went down and they found Lot and they got them out of the city 
It's too bad, though, the, the husbands of, of Lot's two daughters didn't leave. Did you notice that? Gentlemen, always follow your wife. It's the safest thing you can do. Can I get an amen from somebody? <laughs> Y'all don't believe me, do you? Y'all don't believe that at all. But I listen to my wife because okay? she's smarter than me in some things. Some things. Okay, not everything. I've got a few brains left. Anyways, Abraham Sarah, perfect example. Also, consider this. Matthew 25, 31 through 40 says this. As you did it unto the least of these, my brethren, you did it unto who? Unto me. Jesus is present in the lives of so many people that we encounter. And the mercy and the grace that we show, we show to the Lord. We're giving it to people that we don't know. We're giving it to strangers. But we're doing it in the name of the one who showed grace and mercy to us. Amen? He is telling them, you have been persecuted. You have been hounded. You have been treated badly. Lenny says they're getting all these death threats. And they're getting all these nasty grams. But are they stopping? No. Are they backing off the truth? No. Why? Because the truth is the truth. And that's all there is to it. Remember the prisoners. Those who are in the voice of the martyrs. Those who are imprisoned around the world. There are people all over, all over the world who are in prison simply because they chose to speak out in the name of Jesus Christ. Two of our friends went to Indonesia to teach in the seminary, and they had to be very careful because they might go out and disappear and not be found. It's a dangerous world out there, church. We're lucky to be here. We're blessed to be in America where we're safe. But we need to remember those who are suffering, those who are persecuted, those who go out in the name of Jesus. You thought coming to America was tough. Try going to some of the places we send our missionaries where they are going through true hardship, persecution. We send people to Islamic countries where they're not supposed to be. Now, they're not missionaries. They're teachers and they're doctors and they're other things. But while they are there, they are sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ even though they know they may die for it. The Lord called you to go to a country and to preach the gospel, knowing that you could die, would you do it? Don't answer that quick. Because the Lord just might do it. If the Lord called you to sacrifice a good career, a good job, a good income, money, safety, security, would you go to the world that is suffering and dying just to preach the gospel? If the Lord called you to do it. Keep going. It says marriage must be respected by all. Marriage today is not respected in America. They said that one of the best ways to pick up a girl in a singles bar is for a guy to go in wearing a wedding ring. They actually did a survey. I, I read weird surveys just for some reason. They did a survey, and they found that women were more attracted to married men than to single men. Now get this. Do you know why women are attracted to married men? They asked them, why do you date married men? Oh, because they've already shown they can be faithful. Now stop and think about that. Stop and think about that. You're a single woman dating a married man because he's faithful? How does that work? But in their minds, it seems to make sense to them. It seems to make sense that this guy has gotten married, so he must be more faithful than a single guy. Your life should be free from the love of money. We all need money. We all have to work. We all got to put in the hours at the job. But is money the thing that drives us? Is money the thing that makes our decisions? Being a pastor don't pay much. But the payoff is better. Like Katrina said, coming up here, y'all were scared, weren't you? Y'all were afraid to come up here. 
Not because you didn't trust these people, but just because ministry is scary. If you trust the Lord with your children, that's scary. Because you don't know. You may send your children to the finest school in North Carolina. You may get them educated. They might be ready to take a job that pays $100,000 or $200,000 a year. But the Lord may say, no, I want you to be a broke pastor in Kenya, Africa. Is that okay with you if the Lord does that? Takes them out of a $200,000 a year job, sticks them in some water hole somewhere in the middle of nowhere. Is that okay if God does that? Your life should be free from the love of money. Be satisfied with what you have for he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Wherever God takes you, he will take care of you. He may not give you a Rolls Royce. He may not give you a 10-room mansion. He may not even give you an iPhone. You may never have an iPad. You may have to make do with a PC and not an Apple. I know that's, that's terrifying to this creep over here right here. But if God gives you what you need, that's all that you need. Is that okay? God may take you out of safety, put you in a scary place, but he will take you through that valley. Not around it, but through that valley. He'll take care of you while you're there. I love when he says this. Therefore, we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? What can man possibly say? Now, it's Paul who said, I have learned in whatever situation I am in to be content. Did Paul like being poor? Did he like being hungry? Did he like being in prison? Did Paul really get a kick out of being in prison? I don't know, Paul, did you? Did Paul like being at times homeless, driven out of each town, chased by mobs? He was stoned, thought dead. He was chased so many times, he never had peace. But he says, I have learned in whatever situation I find myself, there I will be content because the Lord is with me. Are you content to be married? All y'all shake your heads. Yes, we're happy to be married. We're joyful. We love it. Are y'all content to be single? Are you content to wait for the person of God's choosing rather than force the issue, take the first available guy, and just count yourself happy? Being in a bad marriage is worse than being in no marriage. Or so I have heard from those who have experienced it. Because I've never, I've been happy my whole life. What? Y'all didn't believe that one? Consider this. If you're going to live your faith out, it's going to change how you do everything. It's going to change what you do for a living. It's going to change how you approach the world, how you approach dating, how you approach your children. Letting them go. Letting God lead them some other way. But also, Hebrews 13, 7 through 9 says this. You need to support ministry. Now notice I said live your faith, but this just says support ministry. I didn't say support your ministry. I didn't say support this ministry. I said support ministry. Out there on the table, there's some envelopes for the Annie Armstrong Easter offering. We didn't get them out last week. Now, the Easter offering takes up a collection for those ministries that are happening here in North America. Of course, the Lottie Moon offering is for international missions. That comes out in December. Y'all know Vex I've seen in the past. You've participated in that. If you pick up one of those envelopes today, and you pick up the information that goes with it, and you take it home and you pray over it, and the Lord says, I want you to invest in ministry in other cities, in other states, in other parts of this country. Then you are supporting ministry. Look what it says. Remember your leaders who have spoken God's word to you as you carefully observe the outcome of their lives. You should always watch those who lead. Imitate their faith. 
Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. By the way, underline that. If you were a Jew, that would make you cringe. Who is the only person who is the same yesterday, today, and forever? The Lord our God, Yahweh, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. This says in Hebrews, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So Jesus Christ is who? God. He is God himself. He does not change. Don't be led astray by various kinds of strange teachings, for it is good for the heart to be established by grace. Underline that. It is good for your heart to be established. The word is a foundation. All of your houses have a foundation. Your heart must have a foundation that is set on grace and not by foods, since these involved in, um, since those involved in them have uh, not benefited. We have an altar from which those who serve the tabernacle do not have the right to eat. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the most holy place by the high priest as a sin offering are burned outside the camp. Therefore, Jesus also suffered outside of the gate so that he might sanctify the people by his own blood. Let us then go to him outside the camp bearing his disgrace. I want to stop right there. We're only part of the way through, but I want to stop right there. Go back and look at this. I know it says, remember your leaders who have spoken God's word to you. I know that you pray for us. I told you last week, we feel your prayers. Lenny and Katrina, feel your prayers. Consider this also. You have other leaders here in this church. You've got five council members. Do you pray for them? Do you ask God to give them wisdom? Do you ask God to give them strength and time? Your council members are very, very active doing a lot of things that you will never see. And they don't trumpet it. They don't let you know what they're doing. But let me tell you, sitting back and watching, your council is more active than your pastor. Not that you can change that up, but there it is. Your deacons are getting busy. Your deacons are going to meet with me next week. We're going to have a quick deacons meeting. We're going to divide the church up into thirds. Each deacon will have one-third of the church. Each deacon is then going to be given a stack of postcards. I talked to the council about this. You're going to get a stack of postcards. You know what that means? It means in the next few weeks, you're going to get a postcard that says, Hello, I'm your deacon. My job is to pray for you, to intercede for you, and to be available to you when you need something. So you're going to get a postcard from your deacon. You know what I want you to do with that postcard? I want you to put it on your refrigerator Stick one of them happy face magnets on it. Boom, right there where you're going to see it every day. This is why. Because when you see that card with that deacon's name on it, I want you to write his wife's name on there too. And every time you see it, I want you to thank God for them and pray for them. As they serve you, I want you to serve them in prayer. Then when something happens, I want you to call your deacon and say, Deacon, I have a question. And let them answer that question for you. If they can't answer it, they'll give you me. No problem. But also, too, when you see them and say, Deacon, I had a good week. Thank you for praying for me. And Deacon, I thank you for giving me an answer to my question. It really blessed my soul. Follow the leadership that God has put around us. And that's not just me and Lenny and our wives. That's the council and the deacons as well. It's your Bible study leaders. Pray for them that God would bless them and lift them up and make them strong. That new Durham group might have two amazing leaders. Not that I'm looking at one of them right now. Might have two amazing leaders and some other hosts to go with that. 
So remember them. As you carefully observe the outcome of their lives, imitate their faith. Don't be led astray by various kinds of strange teachings. That's why we're going through the Baptist faith, the message. We're going through the foundational beliefs of the church so that when you hear something odd, you'll know what's a lie. I'm curious, has anyone begun to notice something different about yourself when you hear TV preachers, TV evangelists, or you hear people just talking about God stuff? Have you noticed the Word of God coming back to your memory? Have, have you noticed that some of the things that you've studied have, have begun to make you question other things that you've learned or other ways that you have thought in the past? Hopefully that's what it's doing because it says don't be led astray by these various kinds of strange teachings. The Word says don't be like the man who's unstable. He's blown to and fro by every wind of doctrine. You should know what you believe and stick to what you believe if it's what the Word of God says. It's good for your heart to be established by grace. Your foundation for all truth is Jesus Christ as he is revealed in not a man's book, but in by God's book. Whatever this says, that's what you establish your faith on. If someone says, well, don't people go to purgatory after they die and they kind of wait there and God kind of burns away their sins? You say, let me look that up. You go to your Bible, you look it up, and you go, my goodness, it's not in here. Must not be real. If someone says, well, can I pray to a saint? And the saint's got more pull with Jesus. You say, well, I don't know, let me look that up. And you'll put up the word of God, and it says, let us go boldly before the throne of grace. Whoa, grace, where have I heard that today? Up here again. You see, you don't need someone else. You've got access to the king. When Esther went before the king, she took her life in her hands. You know why? Anyone that entered the presence of Xerxes, king of Persia, without being called, summoned, and escorted would be killed. The only way Esther could live, and you know the story, don't you? The only way for her to live is when she went into the king's presence, if the king would take his scepter and point that scepter at her, bestowing grace for her to approach the throne. Guess what? God's already given you the scepter of grace. You can walk in. If you're the president of the United States, you need an appointment to see that, brother, don't you? You just can't go, hey, Barack, what's going on? You don't want to drop by for coffee. You can't do that. you got to make appointments. But guess what? His two daughters don't have to talk to the Secret Service to go in there and hug Daddy. What do they do? They open the door, they run in, and they hug Daddy. That's because they're family. They have a relationship. And now we have a relationship with God also. It says here at the end, that therefore Jesus also suffered outside the gates so that he might sanctify the people by his own blood. That's how we get that access. Remember, blood was defiled. If a sacrifice was made, it was made outside of the tent of meeting, outside of the camp, so the blood would not defile the people. So the sacrifice was made here, and then it was brought in. When Jesus was crucified, when he was sacrificed, was he sacrificed in the city? No. Where was he sacrificed? On Golgotha, the place of the skull, the place of execution, outside of the gates of the city. Why? Because the blood of the crucified would defile the city. Jesus was taken outside of the gates, outside of the protection of God's holy city, and there he died 
on that cross. Now this says right here, you ain't, you ain't gonna like this one. Let us then go to him outside the camp bearing his disgrace. There's things in the world that you cannot do. There's attitudes you don't get to have. There's actions you don't get to take because people, you are strangers and aliens. You are just passing through, honey. You are just on your way through this place to somewhere else. Amen? You say, well, don't I have the right? No. You gave the right up when you died with Jesus. Now if he has to stay outside of the culture, outside of the camp, outside of the Hollywood spotlight, that's where you live too. You don't get the right to compromise just because it's politically or financially advantageous. You could have a great husband. If you just sell yourself cheap, take some bum that's got $10 million but hates the Lord. You could have a husband like that. Y'all could marry up, marry a wealthy man, have a Benz and, and, and a butler and a pool boy named Raul. You could have all that if you just marry the pagan. Or you can do what these poor women did. You can marry the broke people serving Jesus. Believe me, she married good. Yeah. So, no. Anyways, that's the price of being a Christian. You don't get to live in the city. You have to walk outside of what society says is acceptable. Keep going, verse 14. For we do not have an enduring city here. Instead, we seek the one to come. See? This is not our home. We are waiting for the coming kingdom of our God. That's why I'm praying for the rapture. Before my daughter discovers that boys are not disgusting, icky, slimy things. I've taught her well. Oh, wait, you're still here. That's right. Okay. <laughs> Close your ears. No. Anyways, she knows. She knows that boys are disgusting, slimy, icky creatures. And she just stays away until after college. Can I get amen, kid? There you go. Thank you. Did your boys hear that? Anyways, <laughs> therefore, through him, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise that is the fruit of our lips that confess his name. You want to sing praises to God? I can't sing. There's a reason why I play a bass. I can't sing. If I sang, the sanctuary would empty quickly. I'm that bad. But I can give him the sacrifice of praise, which is the fruit of my lips, in that I confess his name. Do you confess the name of Jesus outside of this church? When you go outside this church, do people know that you're a believer, that you believe the word of God, that you're obedient to the word of God, that you come to church, that you worship him, and that you will not do anything to disgrace him? Inside this little gold ring on my hand are two things. My wife's name and the day I got married. They're in there forever. They are inscribed in this ring as the name of the Lord is inscribed on my heart. It will never depart from me. That's how we have to see our lives in Jesus Christ. Don't neglect to do what is good and to share for God is pleased with such sacrifice. Obey your leaders and submit to them. I'm going to put a caveat there. Obey your leaders and submit to them in as much as they obey the word of God and submit to him. Not everybody who says they are a pastor is a true pastor. Not everyone who says they are a man of God is a true man of God. Not everyone who says they are a woman of God is a true woman of God. This is written by the writer 
to the people saying, if this person over here tells you, look at his life, watch his life, then if he's living after Christ, then be obedient, then follow his lead, then do what he's doing. But I want you to be sure that you don't follow somebody for their title. Follow them because the word of God is always on their lips and they are obedient to the word. Very important. For they keep watch over your souls as those who must give an account. I have to give an account to God for you. You realize that? That's why I'm so hard sometimes. I have to answer to God for your life. Not for what you do, but for me warning you. Ezekiel, when he met with the Lord, the Lord said, I'm going to post you as a watchman on the wall. And the watchman had one job only, stay awake. The watchman would stay awake at night and he would walk the walls of Jerusalem and when he saw the enemy campfires, when he saw the enemy coming, he would sound the horn and say, the enemy is approaching. That was the watchman's only job. Now he said to Ezekiel, Inasmuch as you sound the warning and they respond and they rise up as one man, then you have saved your brethren. But if you sound the warning and they fail to answer, their blood is on their own head. However, if you see the enemy approaching, this is all in Ezekiel, if you see the enemy approaching and you do not warn the people, all of their blood I will require at your hands. No blood. Because I have warned you and I have told you. And that is my one thing in life. I want everyone that I have the ability to speak to to know that God will make you answer for the blood of Jesus. If the blood's not here, then the blood is here. Okay? Understand that if the blood of Christ has not been applied to your life in your forgiveness... You have the blood of Jesus Christ on your hands. And God will make you answer for that blood. Even if you've been a perfect person, kind, generous, you don't kick dogs, you pat little children on the head, you give them nickels, you, you give to the Cancer Foundation. I don't care how good you are. If the blood of Jesus is on your hands, you will never see heaven. Do you understand that? That's so important. And that's why I, I hound you guys so much because this verse haunts me. Every pastor is haunted by this. Because I must give an account for everything I say to you and for what I do and don't tell you. He says this. So that it says, in, um, For they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account so that they can do this with joy and not with grief. For that will be unprofitable for you. You have always made it a pleasure to preach the word of God to you. And I thank you for removing those barriers, removing that hindrance, and allowing me to preach. I know churches, I know churches where the deacons tell the pastor what he can and cannot preach. I know one church, they said, Pastor, you can't speak on tithing. We don't feel comfortable with that. You know what the pastor did? He didn't speak on tithing. There was another church, they said, Pastor, we're not comfortable with you talking about adultery. Some of us have made mistakes. What, what he meant is, we're still making mistakes, and we don't want to feel guilty. You know what the pastor did? He stopped teaching on adultery. Another church, he said, we're not comfortable with you saying no intimacy before marriage. We're not comfortable with that. You know what he did? He stopped preaching on that. You know what? That man is in so much trouble when he stands before Jesus, because Jesus will make him answer for what he's done. He has been appointed a watchman. He has not sounded the warning. 
that blood will be on his hands. Pray for us, for we are convinced that we have a clear conscience wanting to conduct ourselves honorably in everything, and I especially urge you to pray that I may be restored to you very soon. Paul was ill. I mean, the writer was ill. And he desired to see them one more time. He desired to be restored to them, to have a chance to talk to them and, and to interact with them. So he's asking them to pray to make it possible for that to happen. Let's, pr let's press on. Let's finish up today. Hebrews 13, 20 through 25. Hebrews 13, 20 through 25. Rejoice. The final one. Just rejoice. Okay? You live your faith. You support all ministry. You support the ministries that happen around you, not only yours, but mine, ours, Southern Baptist Convention, the missionaries we support around the world. We support those. Now rejoice. Verse 20. Now may the God of peace who brought up from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, he had to say it one more time, with the blood of the everlasting covenant, equip you with all that is good to do his will, working in us what is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ. Glory belongs to him forever and ever. Amen. Brothers, I urge you to receive this message of exhortation, for I have written to you briefly. Be aware that our brother Timothy has been released. If, if he comes soon enough, he will be with me when I see you. Greet all your leaders and all the saints. Those who are from Italy greet you. Grace be with you all. That's a very familiar ending. Grace be with you all. Look at what he says. He says right here, May God equip you with all that is good to do his will, working in us what is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ. You all know that you have a gift from God. Amen? Y'all don't believe that. Y'all don't believe it. Repeat after me. I am, I am gifted. gifted. God, has God has gifted me. I will Use my gift. Use my gift. Yeah, I, I, one day, this is going to be a Pentecostal revival in this church. Because this is exciting. This means you are not an ordinary person. You are not just some guy or some girl that walked in off the street. You're not just here marking time. You are gifted. You have a blessing that only you possess. God has given it to you for a reason. He has equipped you. This is a picture. If I'm going to send a soldier to battle, what does that soldier need to get his job done? Okay? You can, you can, you can put him in a loincloth and you can put him in pants and a shirt. Is that good for battle? No. First thing he needs is a chest plate. Then he needs a sword. And he needs a shield. And he needs a helmet. This means God has given you Ephesians 6. He has given you all of that armor. All of that protection. He has given you all the weapons you will ever need to overcome the enemy. You know what's amazing to me? You know it says in the scriptures that the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. Everyone gets that verse backwards. It's not, it's not that hell is attacking the church. When it says that, that the gates of hell shall not prevail, did y'all see the Lord of the Rings? Did y'all stay home that day? Okay, you saw the Lord of the Rings? Yes. Man, nobody saw the Lord of the Rings. Wow, thank you very much. I'll see that hand. When they went to the black gates of Mordor, they were not there because Mordor's gates were attacking them. They were going to attack the gates. And the gates could not prevail. It means they couldn't stay shut. If we choose to go up against Satan toe-to-toe, -to -toe, who loses? Him, because he already lost. 
The very gates of hell cannot withstand the church when it's mobilized and moving because we're all fully armed. Our minds protected by that helmet. Our heart protected by that breastplate. That movable shield that can swing from side to side that can protect not just us, but the person next to us. That weapon which cleaves to the very bone and marrow of our soul is ours to use to show others their place in the world and to show them their need for Jesus Christ. That's why we rejoice. We're fully armed. We're ready to go. It says, glory belongs to him forever and ever, Jesus Christ. Brothers, I urge you to receive this message of exhortation. That means something that builds you up. The purpose of this was to show you how blessed you are, how great our God is, how amazing our Savior is, how fully re responsible and, 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 and powerful is our Savior, our mentor, our mediator, our person that stands between us and all of the world. It's to get us excited about being believers. The problem is, people from the world go to concerts and they come back screaming and ranting and raving. And they come into a church and the church oftentimes seems like an assembly of statues. Not you, y'all pretty good. I'm working on you anyways, I'm gonna get you going. Here's the thing, when we go to work, are you excited about being a believer at work? Are you excited when you step in to that nurse's station? Do you want to show them your faith? When you meet a young lady, gentlemen, is the first thing you tell her, oh, by the way, I'm a born-again believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't kiss, I don't drink, I don't chew, and I don't ever date girls that do. Thank you very much. I saw that hint. <laughs> That's what you better say. Because you know what? That will weed out nine and a half out of ten women. Right there. The half woman is the one that's only semi-committed. That will weed out most of the girls you know. If they know that you are fully turned on to Jesus Christ, that you are excited, that you are on point, on purpose, they will not want anything to do with you because it means you can't be manipulated, you can't be lied to, you can't be forced into doing something that you don't want to do because you know the truth, amen? Ladies, same thing. Is your standard for a guy so high that most men will fail the standard? It should be, because you can't get the best till you get past the rest. Write that down in your Bible. You can't get the best till you get past the rest. That's the truth. And that's what Hebrews is about. It's about causing us to raise our bar, raise our expectation. You want to be a good musician? Hang out with better musicians. You want to be a good shooter? Hang out with better shooters. You want, you want, you want to be better, a better cook? Hang out with an expert cook. Be with those who are more skilled at what you do than you are. Always marry up, people. Don't marry down. Marry up. Someone who's closer to the Lord knows their place better because that will inspire you to achieve more, to strive for more. See, it says right here, receive this message of exhortation. You need to be exhorting believers around you to stand their ground. Because some of them are getting weak. Some of them are getting tired. Some of them are giving up. You might be the only voice saying, no, don't give up. God's deliverance is going to come. God's deliverance will come. We saw it on Tuesday night in our Bible study. 21 days since Daniel had prayed. On the 24th day, the angel showed up. Oh, I'm so sorry, I'm late. I left 24 days ago to get to you with God's answer. But the prince of Persia, that demon from hell, 
He stood in my way, and we battled until Michael came and took over the fight for me. Your answer is coming. And when it comes, you'll be glad you waited. Daniel was glad he did not break his fast until God answered him. Then his answer was all that much more powerful. Now it says right here, be aware our brother Timothy had been released. Did y'all know that Timothy had been in jail? Did y'all realize that when you did your Bible studies? When you talk about Paul and Timothy, Timothy was in jail. Why? Timothy was a pastor in Ephesus, right? He was the one that Paul left in Ephesus to teach, to be the pastor. He got thrown in the can. He was in jail for being a pastor, a fate that awaits most of us in the future. But he didn't cave in. He sends out the message, hey, Timothy's been released from prison. A great reason to rejoice. Because he held his ground. He stood for what he believed in. He says, greet all your leaders and all the saints, those who are from Italy, greet you. Grace be with you. What is grace? Grace is the unmerited favor of God. Nothing you do gets you grace. Grace is given to you because of your faith in Jesus Christ. Now, if grace is unto you, can anything stand against you? Can anything stop you? Can anything hinder you? Is there any reason to rush grace? No. If you have that grace, then your life is filled with that power and that strength. If your life feels drab and dreary and weak and sad, ask yourself, where's the grace of God? The grace of God is given to us, but it is stirred up. As our lips give the sacrifice of praise. Amen? So, do others see your true colors? If you go to San Francisco, you will see a beautiful flag hanging in all the windows. I noticed it when I was there for those three and a half years. A beautiful multicolored rainbow flag. Have you seen it here in North Carolina? I was standing, I told you last week, I was standing in front of a window, and there was the gay national flag right there. I was standing right in front of it going, it was a bakery store. I mean, come on. It was the perfect picture. That flag in San Francisco means you support gay rights and gay marriage and gay lifestyles. So if you fly that flag, you are making a statement. Those are your true colors. You are showing who you are. If you are a believer, everyone should see your true colors. Okay, one. Are you content with Jesus as your all in all? If you are, say amen. amen. Are you content to have nothing more than you have at this moment if you can keep the fullness of Jesus in your life? That's what it means to be content. Nothing more, no promotion, no extra money, no easier life, but you stay where you are and you get all of Jesus. This is enough. Amen. Two, do you devote every day to the building up of the body of Christ, especially those in your local assembly? On our prayer sheet that we send out every week, there are people in there who are not part of our church. There are people in there whose names you do not know, whose situations you do not know, but I hope you pray for them. Because you know what? I went back to my friends this week. I said, we've had you on the prayer list all week. You know what he said? I feel your prayers. I feel God at work in the midst of your prayers. So our prayers go beyond this church, beyond this assembly of friends, beyond this family. It goes into other people, other places in the world, and it touches other lives. You see, if our true colors are going to shine, then we have to see ministry is not just what we do. Ministry is what the revolution does. It's what Russian RTP does. It's what happens when we give our money to the Annie Armstrong Easter offering to support missionaries around North America. It's what happens when we give money to Lottie Moon, which supports international missions. When we send out money every month to support these pastors that we support in other countries, 
That is us supporting ministry around the world, the body of Christ. Okay, three. Does your life reflect the joy of your Lord? Consider that for a minute. If I look at your life, I don't know you, I don't, haven't met you at church. If I see you, am I going to see the joy of the Lord in your life? And can I see that he has made provision for you? Are you always complaining? Are you always negative? Are you always unhappy? Are you always grumpy and grouchy? I have a shirt that says grumpy on it. It says grumpy. It's got grumpy's picture, you know, grumpy little dwarf dude. It says grumpy. And I said, I always wear that on my grumpy days. And people think I'm just being funny. But I'm just warning everybody, grumpy. I'm being grumpy today. So if you see that shirt, just hug me and go on. It's okay. No, I just can't. Do others see the joy of the Lord in your life, in your conversation, in your home, in your marriage, in your relationships? Do they see it? Last one. If all these things are true, if all these things are true of you, then your true colors really are shining through, thank you, Cindy Lauper, like a rainbow. Not the rainbow flag, just a rainbow. God's promise in the heavens, he will never destroy the earth by water. Next time it's fire. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for this day. Thank you, Father, for this time that we have had. God, I thank you for this church of wonderful, amazing, incredible people. And God, I thank you for the privilege to be their pastor. Father, I pray that right now, as we are looking at our lives, that, Lord, we are considering carefully the testimony of our lips, the testimony of our lives. And, Father, I pray that as we continue to live, Lord, that we will live in such a way that our true colors of Christian faith will fly. That, Father, as people see us, they will see joy, and they will see contentment and peace, and they will see our love for you and our love for the word, and they will see that we are not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ because it is the power of God unto salvation. Father God, right now as we rise up, as we rise to sing, may our lips offer the sacrifice of praise. Father God, may our lips give you the praise that you deserve because you are God, and you are holy, and you are just. And Father, I pray that all these things, we can give you glory. In Jesus' name, and the church said, Amen. Amen. All right.